Penelope in your life? All right. How many of you are Penelope? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Don't raise your hand. Oh, my goodness. I tell you, I love it. You can, you, the one thing that you notice uh, here at the, at the end of the drama, the one thing that happens if you have a Penelope in your life or around your circle of influence, eventually separation is going to happen. <laughs> And uh, anytime we're around people where all of the focus is on themselves and how they're better than us and we get demeaned, eventually you just know that self-centered living is going to lead to complete separation of relationship. And so, uh, and separation is hardly ever a really good thing. Uh, last week, many of you know Mark Haug. Um, how many of you guys know Mark? He, he's been here from the beginning. Uh, Mark's a fantastic uh, chef. And uh, last week he was teaching, uh, Brady and I, he was teaching us how to do some of his French cooking with all of his sauces and all that kind of stuff. And everything had to be just perfect because if you don't do it just right, what happens to the sauce? Yeah, it separates. And when, like, my sauce separated. Um, and so, but then you take the whisk and you whip it all back together and you get it back together because separation isn't good. Um, how many of you have had your coffee this morning? Okay, all right, that's the morning crowd, exactly. Um, you know, I, I get up really early on Sundays, and so that was like the first thing for me. I get up, I, that, that morning coffee, just a little bit of cream, right? And, and the coffee, and it comes up, it was just, it was really good this morning. French press, gotta, gotta grind your beans. And, um, but how many of you have ever started off your morning, because you, you, you're half-baked anyway, you can't even hardly get it together, and you pour your cream in your coffee, and it curdles? It's the worst thing. That can happen in the morning to have the cream separate itself from the coffee. It's just, it's, it's awful when it's sour and it's not supposed to be in there and it causes that separation. It's horrible. You guys, separation is something that God, um, oh, it just breaks the heart of God. And I think it's because, um, it breaks our hearts. We see separation all the time. You know, as many of you know, I'm, I'm a major sports fan. When somebody on your team ends up being all about themselves, and they won't play with the team. It's just bad. <laughs> it's just bad. You hear this in music all the time, too. Bands will break up because one person no longer wants to be a part of the band. They want to kind of do their own thing, and, and eventually the conflict happens, and they separate. Um, companies separate. Churches are really good at this. <laughs> Churches separate. You know, you have the fifth that type of church and the sixth because we just can't seem to get together and to get our world together. Countries separate. Um, Marriages separate. Families separate. And uh, you guys, God longs in his heart for us to actually be together. For us to be unified. For things to be one with each other. Because when they are, it's a beautiful thing. It's an awesome thing to watch a sports team work together to hear a symphony where nobody's thinking about themselves, but they're about the greater good. <laughs> to see a marriage where two people are thinking about the other person said to themselves, to see a church where your whole motivation in the church is not for you, but for something greater. And that's what we want to talk about today. And so today is actually the, the final one in this series. We're, we're closing out our series today. Um, and we call it the only thing that counts, because that's what the Bible said. In Galatians, again, it said the only thing that counts is faith. It's expressing itself through love. And again, Jesus made it really clear when they asked him what the most important thing, and this is, again, you guys, the most important thing 
was that you and I would love the Lord our God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength and that we would love our neighbor as ourself. And so, um, and I just want to say, um, I sent out an email this week. I don't know if, if, um, if all of you got that or not, but just to, just to celebrate the amazing thing that I feel like God's been doing in our church this month. As we've been looking at the most important thing, I feel like many of you have said, you know what? Um, yeah, I want to be about the most important thing. I want to be about the only thing that counts. If God would say the only thing that counts is faith, expressing itself through love, then I want to do that. And so, um, so we want to just kind of conclude today to say, okay, well, then, then what does that mean? And if I can just, I just want to read with you again just a couple things, and these aren't going to be on the screen. I, I kind of threw these together last minute, but just how important it is that we don't um, separate as a church, that we somehow would be together. One of my favorite passages in John chapter 17 it says, my prayer is not for them alone, talking about his disciples. He goes, I, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, and that would be us, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. See, I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. I, I tell you, every time I read that passage, I just sit there and I just think Jesus is up there just going, oh my goodness, when, when am I going to get to taste this? When am I going to get to see the answer to my prayer? When are our children, the ones that we live in, actually going to come together and be one? Because what he says there is if we could be united, if we could love each other, then the world would know that Jesus was sent from the Father, and the world would know that he loves them. Somehow, if we would love each other, if we could love, then the world would know. I mean, this is, this is so huge, and, and, and it's so important to Christ, our unity. And so I need to love God with all my heart. And then he says, and you do that, last week, which we talked about. It's like, um, what, how do we do this? We, we do it by obeying his commands, right? We talk about, okay, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to obey your command. And then his command is what? In John 15, 19, this is not up there as well, just a couple, couple actually starting with verse 9, he says this, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. And I've told you this, this is so great, you guys, I've told you this, Jesus is telling you this today, so that your joy could be complete. Anybody want complete joy? I mean, complete joy? Jesus is saying, your joy could be complete if we could figure this thing a whole, if we could just figure this thing out. And then he goes, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Love each other as I have loved you. One more verse before we jump in, and this one is up on the screen. It's 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. <clears throat> It says, we love because he first loved us, okay? Now, if you haven't been here for our series at all, um, if, if you're sitting here today, and as soon as we talk about this, this love deal, love God, love each other, um, you may need to go back and grab our first message of the whole series, because what we're going to talk about today, I really believe doesn't happen um, very well until God's love actually gets placed inside your heart. We love because he first loved us. And if you're here this morning and you still, like your heart does not resonate 
with knowing the love of God deeply and intimately being rooted and established in his love, this joy that can make you can be complete, then, then you might want to check that out. Because this is what he says. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God. And you know, last week I said, how many of you love God? And we all, we, know, we all raise our hand because we're in church, right? And so, and then we go, but if, if I love God and yet I hate my brother, then um, I'm a liar. I love how the Bible just kind of subtle sometimes, you know. Um, we're liars. If anyone, for anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Now, I, I know last week, many of you, man, you, you, God spoke so deeply to your heart. And he's just, and he's beginning to say, it's like, man, I want to be so connected to you. I want to know you personally. I want to be in you through my Holy Spirit so intimately every moment of every day. And I want that. I want you to experience everything that I have for you. And here's how this works. You hang with me. So I'm always doing stuff. You hang with me. So here's what I'm doing. I'm loving the world. And if you're going to be with me, you need to love your brother. If you say you love me, and this is the deal for us this morning. If you would say that you love God this morning, and yet you know right now in your heart there's extreme anger, or bitterness, or you're holding something against somebody and you won't let them go, then for you and me today, what that means is you're going to have about an hour to process that in your heart today. Say, if I'm going to love God, I've got to love my brother. I've got to love my sister. Now, a guy came up to Jesus one time and he asked him this. He says, hey, so what do I got to do? You know, everybody always wanted to ask you, what do I got to do? And, and Jesus said, well, what, what do you think you got to do? <laughs> and he said, well, I think uh, you got to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, good answer. He said, if you do that, you'll live. You'll live. And then it says the guy wanted to justify himself. So he said, uh, so uh, uh, who's my neighbor? Because like that guy's not my neighbor, right? <laughs> <laughs> my boss isn't my neighbor, right? We, I mean, we got some, you know, my spouse isn't my neighbor, right? <laughs> I mean, we, we got to, so we, basically what he wanted to do is say, hey, as, uh, right, as long as I just kind of love all the cool people around me, is that, and, and then Jesus gave the Good Samaritan story, and um, some of you may not be familiar with that. I don't want to, I don't want to get into the whole thing, but basically, he just gave a story of a guy who's walking from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he got mugged by all these robberies. He's laying there, and then he goes, and two religious leaders who were Jewish went by, and they said, oh, you know, I've got stuff to do, and I'm really busy, and so they didn't help him out, and then a Samaritan walked by. Now, see, for us, Jews and Samaritans, we're reading the Bible, and that's all fun and nice. In that day and age, if you're a Jewish person, and all of a sudden, somebody brings up a Samaritan, the hair rose on the back of your neck, okay? It was absolute animosity completely. It, it would be a, similar probably to the Jewish-Palestinian conflict today. Okay, those are the bad guys. So Jesus says, a Palestinian walks by, he sees the guy down there, and he totally takes care of him. Bandages up his needs, takes him to the hotel, Gives him lodging, gives a guy a couple silver coins, take care of him. I'm going to be on my way back. Let me know if there was anything other, other expenses that were needed, and I'll pay those too. And so Jesus looks at the guy and goes, so who was the one who uh, loved him? He's like, well, the guy who took care of his needs. And then he said, go do likewise. I just want to say that really quickly. 
Because I'm going to pray for us right now. I'm going to pray for every one of you. But what you need to think about is the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And the most important thing in your life and in my life is that I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the way I love him is to obey his commands. And his commands is this, his command is this, love your neighbor as yourself. Who's your neighbor? Who's your neighbor? Sorry, all I can get is Sesame Street stuck in my head. Sorry. <laughs> but um, who's, who's your neighbor? See, when Jesus gave that story, what he was saying is, everybody's your neighbor. Everybody's your neighbor. Some of you right now, as I pray for you, you need to get your spouse inside your mind and realize if you're going to love God, you got to love your wife. And if you're going to love God, then you got to love your husband. You got to love your mom and dad. Your brothers and sisters. I know we're getting crazy now. <laughs> now think about your workplace. Think about your neighborhood. Think if you have a Samaritan in your life, someone who just, no, yes, yes. Everybody. And I just want to pray, because I think as I teach through this today, What's really important, if we're not going to just go to church and walk home and go, oh, nice message, Pastor, you know. But if you're going to walk out of here with a sense that you engage with God, I think God already is going, he's probably already given you the picture of the person that you need to love. And so I'm going to pray now. Let's ask God to help us do it, okay? Because we only love why? Because he first loved us. We got to let him pour his love into our hearts. And once he does that, then we have a resource to love. So let's pray for it. God, I want to pray for every marriage in here that's hurting. And um, I just, I would ask for your grace, your mercy, and your power, and your love to invade the heart of every married couple in this room. God, I pray for every tension that's in this room between a child and a parent. Whether that child is 13 or 43. For every family conflict in here. God, I pray just in this own room right here, just in our church, um, where we need to love each other. And I pray um, for just our extended world, workplaces and neighborhoods and friends and, and enemies. And ask that you might do something in our heart today to help us to love. Because it's the most important thing. And it's the only thing that counts. Is that we trust you and that we love you and that we love each other. And so I pray for it. And God, I, I, that's what I do. I want to, one more last thing. I want to pray against our spiritual enemy. 
right now in this place. I just, I just want to say, God, this is your gathering. And this is a holy place that light would penetrate darkness and that all deception and lies that hold us down would be wiped out and ties that hold us down and the bitterness that's in our heart would be destroyed. And that truly, your truth and your grace would reign so that we could be free to love. And I pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey guys, I just, I, I, that last part, I just want to tell you, the Bible is so clear that we have a spiritual enemy. And I don't know if you know that, but we have a spiritual enemy. And you got to know, the one thing he wants to do more than anything else is to divide. Because if he can divide, then he wins. I would say that right for here at K2. Every church, you know what he does? He goes, man, if I can get you guys just to with each other and divide you, then your strength is gone. And then the world won't know that God, that the Father sent Jesus. And the world won't know that the Father loves them. And that's his whole goal, is to steal and kill and destroy. So as people would often say, when you start to have conflict with somebody, just remember who the real enemy is, okay? It's not your spouse. It's not your mom or your dad. It's not the person you're thinking of right now in your head. The real enemy is the spiritual enemy who's seeking to devour us and to divide us, all right? So, um, all right, so there we go. So here's what I'm going to do. Man, I have, uh, I've got so much to share with you today, um, but I'm just going to read straight through Romans chapter 12, uh, starting with verse 9. <clears throat> And uh, this is one of those really cool passages of Paul's where he kind of just goes, do this and this and this and this and this and this, <laughs> you know? I mean, you read it and you're like, oh, okay, good, great, let's go. Um, and I basically feel like I have to teach like that today because every one of these points I could sit with for a long time and we just can't do that today. So, so uh, if, again, if you're going to continue the conversation group, which I'm going to mention here in a little bit, but you're going to have an opportunity later tonight in your group or this week to talk about it together, to dive into each one of these. But just put your seatbelt on and hold on as we drive through this. If you've got paper and pen, I think you might want to really take some notes here and jot some things down uh, to help you as you go through the rest of the week. All right? Uh, let's start right off the... Let's just dive in. Romans 12, 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one, honor one another above yourself. Okay? Now, be devoted to each other. Okay? Devotion means, you know, not, not at a whim, man, do I fly off. I'm sticking with this thing. Okay? So be devoted to one another, and your love must be sincere. Now, remember, what did Jesus... I love how he put it. You've got to love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? And then here it says you've got to honor, another, honor one another above yourself. Let me take you to another passage. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 says this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. <laughs> can, I mean, can you imagine that? Can you imagine waking up in the morning and you do nothing out of selfish ambition? Wow. What would your marriage look like? What would your home look like? What would the workplace look like? What would the world look like if we could actually get out of bed and go, it ain't about me. <laughs> it ain't about me. Well, that's what the Bible says. I mean, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, here it is, consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Love your neighbor as yourself. Honor one another above yourself. 
In humility, consider others better than yourself. Don't look only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Okay, I think all of us, you're probably sitting out there going, yeah, great, that, that all makes sense. I mean, sure. <laughs> if I could do that, that'd be wonderful. And if my people around me could do that for me, that'd be wonderful. So here's, what's the key here, though? What I want to look at today, and Christian and I, when we were talking through this message, is the first thing I think we need to realize is, apparently it's normal and right and okay to look out for your own interests. Okay? In Philippians, it didn't say, don't ever think about yourself. It said, look not only to your own interests. Okay, so apparently there are some interests that we have that are okay. But in the midst of waking up in the morning and having your own interests, also make sure that you're looking to others' interests. Okay, so you've got to do both here. And when your interests, you know, oh my gosh, think of my three little kids. When their interests have conflict with the other's interests. You know, I mean, it is just insanity. You know, um, well, what happens then? See, when that happens, then you honor the other one more than your own. All right? I mean, how many conversations do we have with our kids about this? Think about the other person more than yourself. Well, I mean, but God's telling us the same thing, you guys. So here's what I want to look at the proper concern for ourselves, and then taking that and turning it in to others. And there's five interests that Paul mentions here in Romans that I want to take us through. And maybe one of these will click with you with whoever you're thinking about in your own mind and for us as a church here together, all right? So the first interest is this. The first interest that we should have for ourselves should be God, okay? It's a good interest. Look what he says, Romans 12, starting with verse 11. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. So you guys, I love this. This is when the the Bible is so awesome. So here he goes, Paul saying, you guys need to be devoted to one another in love. And then the very next line, what does he say? Okay, if we're even going to go there, you've got to have zeal for God. If you're actually going to be devoted to one another in love and have a love that's going to make it through all the times, then you've got to be connected to God. The first interest that you should have for yourself is to say, you know what? I want God in here, and I want to be connected to him. Everything that he's about, I want to be about, and I want him in every area of my life. I want him in my thoughts and in my dreams and in my desires, in my relationships. I want him in my sin I want him in me, and I want to be in him. I want to be so connected to God. Because when I'm connected to God, now I have a power source living inside of me, the Holy Spirit, who can now love. He pours his love into our hearts. Why? Because he loves us. But also so that we can be a stream of living water out to all those around us. So the first interest is, man, i got to be connected to God. So, so love comes from God. We love because he first loved us. Are you tapping in to the one who loves you, to the one who's crazy about you, to the one who knows all of your fears right now today, all of your anxiety, all of your conflict, all of your anger, all of your pain, all of your hurt, all of your needs? I mean, seriously, do you know the love of God for you no matter where you are or who you are today. And if you don't, you guys, it all starts there. We can love because he first loved us. 
We've got to give it. Love comes from God. So your first concern should be, man, don't stop having zeal for God and be concerned about your own spiritual fervor. I love that, spiritual fervor. So the first thing you need to think about today is how's your heart? Because I'm telling you right now, as we keep going here, okay, man, get out there and love each other. Go, go. Are you kidding me? I am so beat up. I'm so sad. I can't believe I'm even here today. It took every ounce of my energy to get out of bed. Your jo- my jaw's clenched right now because of the person you made me think of. See, if, if your heart has been wounded, if you haven't been loved, some of, your, some of your wounds go back like 40, 50 years. And, and if your heart did not receive the love that it was meant to get, and now you're going to sit there and be challenged to love your neighbor? Yeah. I, I say it all the time, I can't give you 100 bucks. You know why? I don't have 100 bucks. <laughs> I don't even have my wallet. <laughs> um, see, if I don't have this, then I can't give it to you. If you have yet to receive the fullness of the love of God and your heart's hurt, it's going to be really hard to love somebody else. So your first interest, every one of yours and mine, should be to get everything that is mine in Christ through God. Now, if I get in that and I love you, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, I love me. So I'm going to go get to God. Well, if I love you like I love me, then what should I be doing for you? I should be getting you to God. Love your neighbor as yourself. Get to God and get other people to God. Can I, can I just encourage some of you right now? Some of you, your spiritual fervor is, and you've been a Christian for a while, and your fer- fervor? I haven't had fervor in a long time. I don't even know what fervor is. That's a kind of, well, I, fervor, I mean, I, I'm telling you right now, if you want to get your own walk with Christ juiced back up again and alive, start bringing other people to God. Start helping other people know how to tap in to him and to receive everything. Stop, because one of the things is you can get so caught up in what I need from God, which you do. But you also, once you get your eyes off yourself and get them on somebody else, and you start thinking about helping them find God, it sets you free. So love your neighbor as yourself. Get to God, get other people to God. That should be your first interest. Here's your second interest. The second interest that we should have, we're going to love our neighbor as ourselves are just basic needs. Verse 13 says, share with God's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Share with others who are in need and practice hospitality. You know, and this is a pretty pretty obvious way that we love ourselves, right? How many of you had breakfast this morning? Okay, how many of you are going to go out for lunch later? Oh, wow, how many of you are fasting? I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, anyway, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, you love yourself, right? I mean, your body goes, dude, I'm hungry. You feed yourself, you know. Hey, you, you know, you, you, we, we try to find a house that we can live in. We try to have the basic necessities of life. And, and, that's, and you know what? You should. That's, that's good and that's right. It's a basic need. It's an interest you have to actually, like, survive and live. So you should do that. And so we do this, but then you guys just, then let's do that for others. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, one of the things I do is I make sure I have some clothes on my back, make sure I've got food in my belly, make sure I've got a place to go. I'm just the basic needs of life. Okay, now do you love your neighbor that way? 
First um, John 2 says this, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. And I just, I know on this one, because we're in America and this is hard. Because not many of us, we do have. One of the things that's been so cool about K2 is we are a church across the border of people on the economic scale. But most of us in here are doing okay. I mean, we were just with some friends last night just kind of laughing at the 98th percentile that we live in, you know. So again, but I'm not going to say much more. I'm going to let, but you just need to hear that. If you have the means and you see somebody else who doesn't have the means and you have something to do about it and you don't do anything about it, how can the love of God be in you? What would be the answer? It's not. That's fun to hear, isn't it? But actually, maybe it is fun to hear. The love of God could be in you. And as you take care of yourself, you could take care of others. And that, all of us can do that. You can do that today. And see, what would happen is, as soon as you and I would act on that, as it says, not, not, let us not love with words or tongue, but with action and in truth. As soon as you would act on that, you know what would happen? This kind of clumped up heart that's thinking about itself would all of a sudden, there would be like, poof, you'd get rid of something and a stream would start to trickle. <laughs> and you do it again and all of a sudden, next thing you know, your heart starts to flow because you're not about yourself anymore and you're blessing the world and you're obeying God. You're loving your neighbor as you love yourself. You know, it's so cool. I just want to say, like here at K2, we have lots of opportunities for yesterday. How many of you were here helping with Kids Against Hunger? Okay, three of you. Great. Awesome. Now, you know why you weren't here, because as soon as we put that thing out as a church, which we all were doing that last time, the whole community jumped in because they wanted to go to Disneyland. You know, and, uh, you know, that whole, you give a day, you get a day. And, but it was awesome. I mean, Eric said that we had probably, about, you know, over about 125 people. And I popped in and just walked around. And it was so fun because everybody in here wasn't a part of K2 at all. But what was going on? They packed 45,000 meals yesterday to send to Haiti, which is so cool. Altogether, altogether 85,000 meals from K2 are going down uh, to Haiti to, to help those to take care of a basic need. Cause we could do that, and you guys can do that. Every month, we're down at Pioneer Park feeding the homeless. You always have an opportunity to join us and to go down and do that. There's a food pantry right here just this week. Two guys came in and said, hey, man, just could really use some help. I, you know, I got any money. I'm like, wow, you know, we actually don't have any money, but we have some food right here. And he's like, that'd be great. And we were able to take care of a basic need. We partnered with the rescue mission. I mean, it was so great to meet those guys when we first got here. And they just said, because we're not, you know, as far as a facility and all that kind of stuff, we're not set up to do that. And they said, Dave, just send them to us. We will never turn anybody away. They will, we will always make sure that every person has a meal, that every person has a bed to sleep in. And, we will t- and so we partner with them. We go down every month and we do their chapel form and we, just, we say, here's another opportunity to help people who just need some basic needs. God bless the rescue mission and the other places who are doing that. K2 Acts, which we developed this last year. So many different people and some of you helped in that and you poured in that. And, and just to let you know, the resources have all gone. <laughs> We took a chunk of our budget. We put it into K2Acts. Many of you put money into K2Acts, and, and we've already flooded it all out. We've been able to take care of basic needs and to help people with that. So if you want to kind of jump back in to K2Acts and maybe resource that again, that would be another way. Now, that's just what we're doing. I, I just want to say, um, like Eric, who's overseas that for us, one of the cool things is, you guys, 
We get people sent to us all the time. I just want to tell you, you guys, it's really cool. People will say, you know what? We'll say, well, how'd you come here? Well, this organization sent me or this church sent me or they send people here. Because we're trying as much as we can to be a church that's taking care of basic needs, to love neighbors as we love ourselves. You know, the, what you could do too um, is just take a portion of your budget, if you have one, and just set it aside. Susan and I have this little envelope, and it's just there. Just, I don't even know what it's called, but like discretionary. And every time we get some, we just take some cash and we just throw it in there, and we just wait to see when's a need going to present itself. And we want to have actually some margin in our budget so we can just bless somebody if that happens. So you can do that stuff. And every time you do that, you love your neighbor as yourself. You honor God. He blesses you. He blesses the world. Is this good? Okay, so cool. All right, so that's what you can do. That's one of the interests that you should have. Take care of your own and then look at everybody else's. All right, here's your third interest. Starting with verse 15. And it's just connection. This is the way I'm going to put it. Verse 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. You guys, I, I've, I've told you so many times that hell on earth is hitting a hole-in-one when no one's there. Can you imagine? You're, you're on the golf course, you hit a hole-in-one, and there's no one there to celebrate with. Rejoice with those who rejoice. How many of you know Brian Hemard? Do you guys know Brian Hemard? He goes to K2 here. That happened to him this year. He hit, he hit a hole-in-one. Now, even he didn't get to rejoice because he hit it, and he, didn't, he couldn't tell where it was. And he wasn't until he got to the green. He's like, he's in the hole. He looks around, and there's nobody there. That's hell, right there. That's horrible. <laughs> you guys, being able to, re- to, this whole idea of going through the difficulties in life and having no one to mourn with you, no one to walk with you, to go through the celebrations in life and to have no one go through them with you, it's just not right and it's not the way it should be. It's not good. We're supposed to live in harmony, what? With one another, with each other. We gotta be connected, you guys. And this is a basic need. It's a basic interest. I know some of you are introverted off the charts, but if you don't talk to anybody, you become crazy. <laughs> We're meant for people. All of us are extroverts, and we get energized by people, and we like the party. It doesn't matter who you are on the thing. That all of us have this interest. I, for me, when I was in California, uh, for a year and a half going to school, and this was one of my things. You know, I go to a church every different week, and every week I was there. I just felt like nobody gave a rip that I was there. You know, and I, I, and I, I know sometimes we make you get up and greet each other, and everybody goes, oh, God, I hate this. <laughs> You know, and I just want to tell you, but there may be one person like me who's trying to find a place just to connect. In, in fact, some of you who actually kind of said, okay, I'm going to do it anyway, you reached out, and you actually found your friends through that dumb thing. Okay, we just need to reach out, and we need to connect. I've been in situations in the last couple of years where I feel like I've never been so invisible in my life. That stinks. I've also been in a church. I was there with my sister. She was going through a really hard time. We were at this humongo church in, in, in the south. Lots of huge churches down there. And uh, we were sitting there, and during the greeting time, the people turned around, because they do that too, and they turned around, and they gre- greeted us. They found it out it was our first time, and Amy you know, was maybe checking this out. She was, how old are you, all that kind of stuff. Uh, next thing you know, the music starts, and service went on. And then, and when the service was over, first thing they did is they turned around, and they said, hey, um, we actually used to be involved in the Sunday school class that, that for your age. And um, we aren't doing it anymore, but we know the person who is. We'd love, what, would you like to meet him? We'll walk you down there. I mean, it was, that'd be great. 
You know, I mean, they took us by the hand. They walked us down there. They introduced us to people. They totally got us connected. I mean, it was, it was just to say, I, we have an interest here. And the interest is, I don't want to be alone. Anybody, how many of you want to, I just, I just don't want anybody at all to know me. I mean, there are times, especially with three children, that you wish you could just be alone. But, but most of us, we, 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 want to be, we want to be connected. And I remember Steve Andrews told me, uh, who was the pastor back in Detroit, told me about his parents talking to him one day. And they said, Steve, just remember this. He, he, he was going to something for the first time, and he was really nervous. And he said, you're going to walk into that building, and you've got to remember this. Almost every other person who's there is just as nervous as you are. And almost everybody else who's in that room is wondering, will there be anybody who will say hi to me? And will there be anybody in this room that cares? And they looked at him and they said, Steve, be the answer to their question. Be the answer to their question. And I just, you guys here for us, I, I'll be honest with you, I look out there now, I don't even know you all. When I have time and I get to stand at the door, I just feel like all I do is greet new people. It's just, and I just, how, how long you been here? Second time? Fourth time? Man, for all of us that K2, this is our church. Don't forget that. Now love yourself. You probably came into church today and said, yeah, I wonder if anybody will say hi to me. <laughs> wonder if anybody will care about me today. And you know what you could do? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Drive in with a totally different attitude and say, wonder who I can help connect today who can i reach out to today who can i say hi to today who can i make sure when they leave they're going to say man i was really glad i was at k2 today i tell you guys it will totally change it, it, and i know that happens a lot here it really does and i want to say thank you to all of you who are loving your neighbor as yourself now let me give you a, a huge uh huge thing here today um at K2, the other thing you guys know, I mean, between our two campuses, about 1,500 people show up today to church. Now, you guys have read the studies, right, about how many people you can actually know even the names of? <laughs> All right? So basically, here's the deal. Um, there's no expectation for you to know anybody. Uh, no, no, that wouldn't be right. Uh, to know everybody um, here. There's <laughs> no expectation. Live in your bubble. Um, <laughs> There's no expectation at all uh, for that to happen. In fact, and so if you actually come to K2 and you kind of come on a Sunday morning and you think, hey, man, this is going to be where I'm going to get really cared for and I'm going to get loved on, um, probably not, to be honest with you. That's one of the things, like, I just, I just know that. Like, I, I, too, Jesus had the capacity to hang out with 12 guys. He had three really close friends and 12. I figured if God can do that, that's maybe what we should try for, Okay. So that's what we do. Even, so obviously, even as your lead pastor, there's, I have no intention. I can't love you all. and care. I mean, I can generally, but I can't connect. That's what I can't do. I can't connect with all of you. It just can't happen. The only way that we can connect here at K2 is through our Life Together groups. It's the only way it can happen. And so we are actually in two weeks, two weeks from today, we're going to start a new initiative here uh, at K2. Well, it's not even really new. But we're going to do something, and I'm going to ask every single one of you in this room who want to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and want to love your neighbors yourself, I'm going to ask you to seriously consider and to pray about joining a Continue the Conversation group. We have, actually, we have quite a few of them that are going on right now, and they're exploding. They're actually multiplying. People keep joining them. They've been really, really good. It's been an awesome thing. What they are is this. 
is we all, well, the other thing that happens a lot here is I'll talk with you, and some of you will say, man, I feel like you were talking right to me. Well, see, I'm not. You know, I can. Mike, I'm going to talk right to you. No, I don't, I don't do that, but I can tell you this. God is talking right to you. That's what's happening. And so we know that God's moving here, that he's meeting you, that he's engaging you when we're gathered together. The continue the conversation is, take the experience here, and now go into a smaller venue with about a dozen people, and now say, let's go deeper with that. You, can, you know, we aren't doing Q&A time on Sunday mornings. I can't answer your questions about the stuff that didn't make sense in the message. You can do that, though, in your continue the conversation group. That's where you can ask your questions and go, well, what did that really mean? It's where you can dive into more scripture to understand it more deeply. It's where you can figure out how to apply it, and you start to build relationships so that you can apply it with each other. You guys, I, just, I feel like it's just critical. If we're actually going to be a church that has, and I, I tell you, to, to be a church that isn't just a service, but a church that's really people joined together, loving each other with all their heart, the best thing that we can figure out is we got to get as many people as possible into these Life Together groups. And this is really exciting, guys. 40 new people have signed up to lead these groups. We have 40 more groups available. Yes, please celebrate that. And all of you who are signed up, thank you. And basically what that means is we have 40 more people all around the valley who are saying, man, we would love for you to join with us and to start to experience the connection that should happen in the church. So when you walk out of here, you're going to find that there's all these different tables and they're split up in different regions. If you're in Sugar House or in your Murray or you're in Cottonwood or wherever you're at, if you're farther north, go to the table, find out where it is and sign up. And here's, what we're, here's all I'm asking you to do. Sign up. You guys seen the number seven out there? Anybody? Okay. Sign up for seven weeks. Just a seven-week trial period to say, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll give this a shot. I'm going to take one more step from Sunday morning and get connected. And I just want to encourage you to do that. And I believe that what we're going to talk about here for those seven weeks will be stuff that's going to be very helpful for you in your life and what you're dealing with, all right? So, yeah, I love myself, so I don't want to be alone. Okay, that's fine. That's right. That's good. Now, love your neighbor that way and help them get connected too, okay? So all of you who are already in groups and your leaders, get out there and get people in your groups. All right, here we go. That's number three. Number four, which I'm going to hit quickly. But here's another legitimate interest. Don't think about only your own, but others. Here's the other interest, and that's significance. Significance. We look at uh, verse 16 here. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. And don't be conceited. You know, when I, when I read this and I thought about that, I go, well, what causes us to be proud and what causes us to struggle to associate with different people who are maybe of a different um, nationality or different economic status or a different whatever? Um, I love how Eugene Peter put, Peterson puts this in the message. He says, get along with each other. <clears throat> don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies and don't be the great somebody. <laughs> I love that. Now, you know why you want to be the great somebody? If you sit there and you go, man, I want to I, I be the great somebody. I want to be, you know why? Because you don't feel like you are a great somebody. Every conceited person you know is just somebody who doesn't think very highly of themselves. See why? Because every person has a legitimate interest and it's to know that I'm significant. Every one of you sitting in this room needs to know that you matter. 
And so we wake up in the morning. You're going to wake up tomorrow. You're going to work hard. You're going to try to prove yourself. You're going to try to get that raise. You're going to try to get that job. You're going to try to do it. You're going to try to show that you have significance and to show that you matter. And you know what happens, man, is when you get caught up trying to find your own significance, how interested are you in anybody else's significance? <laughs> Usually about this much. Because you can't, because I'm, I'm, right now, it's, it, I need some significance. <laughs> and I'm telling you again, yes, you do. Can I just tell you? Yes, you do. If Jesus himself could be here in the flesh and look at every one of you and spend individual time with you, he would reveal to you how incredibly special you are and how significant you are and why he made you the way that he did and why he gave you the personality. And he has, he has plans for you. He knows what he wants to do with your life. So for you to wake up in the morning and go, I have an interest. I'd like to know I matter. Good. That's okay and that's right. Now, at the same time, though, but now love your neighbor as you love yourself. What would happen if we actually went around and said, I also want to care about your significance. I also actually want to help you know that you really matter to God. And so, you know, I mean, we got Penelope over here, the poor girl, you know. And if we focus on ourselves so much with that, then it turns into conceit. Not others better than myself, but look at who I am. There's no love there. See, love just gets wiped right out of the corner when I'm fighting against you to show you how important I am. And, and, and so somehow, you guys, and you know, so here's you know what we do. This is when we go, okay, so you know what, spouse? I need you to make me significant. You know what, church? I need you, church, make me significant. Boss? Give me the raise, man. I need to know I'm significant. See, what happens is when you don't feel significant, then you go around to everybody else around you and you say, make me significant. And, and you know what? And I'll be honest with you. Part of our job is to help each other see that. Man, you've got this to offer. You know, the Bible says that every one of us who receive Christ, we have a spiritual gift and we're part of this body. I cannot get into this at all, but please write down 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 25. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 25. If you need to know you matter, read that passage, and God is going to tell you right now, every part of the body matters. You know, last night we had some friends over, we were talking about, what about the appendix? What does that do? I don't know. My wife thinks someday we're going to discover why it was really there. And, and some of you may feel like that. I don't know why I'm here. I'm an appendix. And um, you need to know, you need to know that every person matters to the body of Christ and God loves you and and here's the deal you can't look to everybody else to find out your significance I've been on that journey I still go on it and every time I look to other people to giving me my significance it is so frustrating but if you can go to God I'm serious I, I, uh, this is a whole other message it's a whole series probably. How do I actually find the security and the strength and the significance of knowing that I matter to God? Yeah, we need to do that someday because it's a long battle. I've been on it my whole life. But once you start to find it, then you can start to help other people find theirs, okay? So that's the fourth one. Now let me hit the last one. Here's the last interest that all of us have and it's Forgiveness. So wild how, how Paul just jumps into this and he says this, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. 
Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, and I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Man, how many of you in your life have ever really hurt somebody bad? I'm seriously, how many of you have ever hurt somebody really bad? See, when you've hurt somebody and when you've wronged somebody, you have an interest. And you know what it is? I need you to forgive me. I need you to forgive me. You, in your heart, you probably wake up, some of you are there right now, you're waking up every morning and you're just going, please forgive me. Because you want to be set free. And now is that a legitimate interest? You bet it is. Because there's not a human being alive that's not going to need to be forgiven. And to get grace is huge. So love your neighbor as you love yourself. When you're loving, your, you're loving yourself right there, you just, God, I just want to be free. Flip it around and love your neighbor. How many have ever had anybody really hurt you? How many of you have had that experience? Okay. And all the rest of you, I know you have. How wild would it be to say, you know what? I'm going to love you the way I love me. And I know that when I screw up, I need someone to forgive me. This is wild, you guys. Did you know it's crazy that you have the power to set somebody free? You have the power to set somebody free. Some of you right now today have the power to set somebody free. If you would love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, we, again, we could do a whole other series on forgiveness, right? Doesn't mean that that means that what they did was right. Doesn't mean that you should get back into the relationship even. But to forgive them and to set them free. Now, you want to talk about God? See, I can, you can love because you've first been loved. Love comes from God. And God looked at every one of us and said, you screw up every day. You just, you, <clears throat> me, some of you have done that for years to God. I mean, our, our list is so long of our offenses against God. And what does he do? Let me show you how much I love you. That even while you're still a sinner, I would send Christ to die for you. See, I'm telling you, once you've, once you've really seen your sin against God and you know that he forgives you to hold anything against anybody else, it's not going to be a pretty scene when you go see Jesus. If you've been given mercy, then give mercy. And, if you, and, and, and then you guys all know, right? You think you're holding that person as a prisoner, and you are actually, probably. But then you also know that who's the real prisoner? It's you. And so God looks at this thing and he says, man, 
Don't repay anyone for evil. If some of you are sitting there today and you go, man, I'm gonna, you're going to pay for this. The script, I mean, God's like, no, 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 no. Don't do that. I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> That's my job. Are you, kidding? No, are you thinking about revenge, my friend? Don't. Are you kidding me? Leave room for my wrath. My wrath's awesome. <laughs> you think you got something? I got way more than that. Get out of the way. Let me be God. You know? I'm serious. Some of you, you, you just got all these plans to ruin someone's life, and you just need to let them go. And let God, who actually knows everything, and who will judge justly, and who loves mercy, take care of it. Because as long as you try to take care of it, and you're not loving them, you're not loving God, and you're not loving yourself. There's no love there. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with all your heart. You have an interest to be forgiven, and we need to have an interest in others to forgive them and to set them free. Man, if that starts happening around here, holy smokes. Again, it'll be an amazing place. So... um, that's it. I don't even know to, I don't need to kind of wrap up. You got it right there. There's your five interests. Be interested in God for yourself and help other people to find that. Be interested in your own basic needs. Keep taking care of yourself, but care about the basic needs of the people around you. Seek to be connected, but look to connect others. Find your significance in God and then help other people know that they're significant. Find your forgiveness in Christ. Be humble towards those that you've hurt. And then set someone free by loving them and think about their interest and their need to be forgiven as well. Man, if we do that, you guys, it's the most important thing in all the world. And it's the only thing that counts. To love God and love your neighbor as yourself. So, Ben, why don't you guys come on up? And uh, we just want to take some time now to let our hearts soak in this. Because some of you right now know that you're going to have to take some action, right? Love not in words only, but love in action and in truth. And some of you are going to have to walk out of here and love some people. So we want to give you about 10, 15 minutes right now to just worship God and to say, okay, God, fill me up with your love. Love, let me receive the fullness of your love because I'm committing today to love. But I need your help and I need your strength and I need your power to do that. And so let's, let's worship him You guys, seriously, during this time, open your heart to God. Engage with Him in prayer and in your own mind and receive from Him. Unite yourself with Him so that we can walk out of here as those who love each other so the world can know. All right? Let's do it together.